Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause, rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Cole bennett Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence, ours and theirs. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, Cara. I have a question for you. Always. Turns out listeners have the same question. But I live this question, so maybe you can help me out. I'm here. How do you get a silent child to open up and start talking? <sighs> it's, a, it's a short, easy question. <laughs> Uncomplicated, straightforward. So if you could answer it in as few syllables as he would use, <laughs> that would make this a very short episode. This might be our shortest episode ever. So I am a talker, in case you all no. didn't know. I know. Shock. I have three talkers in my house, and I have one not so much a talker. And I think about this question all the time in my own family, in the context of our work. The question we get most often, actually, in our puberty workshops is how do I get the kid to talk who doesn't want to talk? The question we get from listeners of older teenagers, how do I reach the one who doesn't want to talk to me, answer me, engage with me? So I want to start with the advice that Wendy Mogul gave last year on our episode with her, which was wonderful if you haven't listened to it. And Wendy has this lovely sort of calm voice and we talked with her about this and she said, 
be enchanted with their enchantment. In other words, is there silence enchantment? There can be silent enchantment because the other thing to keep in mind is our kids might be silent with us or quiet with us, but it does but not they're mean... they're really just enchanted with us. <laughs> no, they're definitely not enchanted with us, but they're enchanted with other stuff and they're enchanted often with their friends and they talk to their friends about stuff. And so her advice to begin with is like, figure out what they're interested in and start to talk to them about what they're interested in even if you are not interested in what they are interested in, right? I don't care about fantasy football. I don't care about the latest Game of Thrones. I don't care about the teacher that was so unjust that our silent child has all of a sudden exploded in a torrent of words because of some injustice. But I do care about them. And so I'm going to talk to them about what they want to talk about. So that is piece of advice number one. Do a little bit of investigating. Gentle, subtle investigate. I know, Kari, you're very, very very subtle. subtle. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly how I think of you. But start out (laughs) noticing. I hit people over the head with a hammer of my subtlety. (laughs) Subtle as a sledgehammer. But start to notice, okay, what are they willing to talk about? Or what do you hear them talking about? with their friends or what are they willing to talk to their sibling or other parent about and just start to clock it. And yes, I'm about to give some advice that is so dorky and I'm sorry. I'm so excited. But it works. If they are interested in a fantasy football league and they are totally engrossed in what's going to happen in the NFL this weekend, guess what? Go find out who is playing in the NFL. What are the matchups? Who are the quarterbacks? What are the upsets? Who won the Heisman? Right? Like, do well, you're really flexing your football knowledge. I am sorry. I actually am somewhat interested occasionally in football. But the point is, do some research just like you would with a business meeting or we would do on a podcast interview and we want to research who we're going to be talking to and what will bring out the best in them. We sometimes have to do the same thing with our kids. I have another piece of advice. Yes. Sometimes their silence comes from the fact that they either don't know why you're asking what you're asking, or they're pretty sure they know exactly why you're asking what they're asking, and they really don't want to engage in the conversation or answer. Right. Does that sound familiar to you? That sounds familiar. Do you want me to tell you what I've tried? And it's actually worked. Yeah. So tell me what I've tried. I will slip in one small piece of advice that I actually got when my kids were toddlers. And I think it applies really beautifully to teenagers. And then Cara, I want to hear your advice. Occasionally, parents will layer question upon question to a kid who seems to not be responding. And the advice I got when my kids were younger... Vanessa, how are you doing? You look sad. Did something happen today? Was everything okay at school? (laughs) Did you and Timmy get in a fight? Was it in the sandbox? How did the test go? Were you prepared? Did you ask to meet with your teacher afterwards? Oh, what was for lunch? Did you eat any of it? Are you hungry now? Right? So layer upon layer. And the advice I got was, (laughs) drum roll, please. Just shut up. Ask a question and then (laughs) shut your mouth and wait for an answer. And I was like, oh my God, that's so groundbreaking. (laughs) 
as I wallowed in shame on the floor of this like developmental psychologist. But she was like, give the kid a chance to answer. Like not everyone is going to answer in the time frame that you want them to answer. And for me, what has worked recently, and this is more a teenager piece of advice than a toddler piece of advice, but it can work for toddlers too, is explain your rationale. So I'll give you a, for instance, I ask my kids what between the time they get their driver's license and they start driving until the time they move out of my house to please check in with me when they arrive at their destination. Oh just my a God. text, just a Cara, quick text here. I can't, I, I can't. This is a daily. Okay. Yes. Just, just a text here, not here, the traffic was really heavy. I navigated really well. I didn't, blah, blah. no, just here. I have one child. It is a firstborn, classic textbook firstborn child who literally never forgot, right? People pleaser, parent pleaser. I have a very classic secondborn who does the mental math and knows I can go on my phone. I know exactly where he is. I know he has arrived there safely. Why does he have to text me? So between the time he got his license and now, which has been a pretty long stretch, about a year and a half, we've had this dance where I will say on a daily basis, um, I'd really like you to text me or I'll text him, are you there? Right? I do anything I can. And finally, a couple of weeks ago, it dawned on me, he's annoyed because he knows I know he's there. Mm. So what I said to him was, do you know why I ask you to text me? And he looked at me, he said, actually, I don't. And I said, I ask you to text me because I don't want to be the parent who is constantly following you on my phone. Right. I want to be the parent who can let you go and let you be independent. And if you know that I'm asking you to check in with me, then there's another part of your brain that knows I'm not constantly following you and surveilling you. And I think that gives you more independence in life. And that's what personally what I'm going for. So if you could just check in with me, then I actually don't need to look at where you are and that's healthier for us. And you know what happened, Vanessa? Well, he did like 50% of the time, which is so much better it's than a before. fast improvement. Fast improvement. But he understood the rationale and it opened up a conversation. And so to the parents who have really silent kids, the kids who are shutting them out of a conversation mm. because they think they're pretty sure they understand all the dynamics. And they just don't want to go there or talk about it. And they have strong feelings, but they're not going to engage because why would they waste the energy? My advice is share your why and then go back to the developmental psychologist advice and then zip your lip and wait and let them talk to you. If you listen to enough of our episodes, you'll hear us preach the importance of air, particularly down there. Airing out body parts reduces sweatiness, stinkiness, and skin irritation. And it feels amazing to air it all out after a long day in tight, sweaty clothes. Which is why we created the Oom Short. Super soft, lightweight, with wide legs and a low crotch. All help air flow. Designed for all genders, in all sizes, literally down to kids extra small and up to men's extra large. Everyone who wears them tells us they've never been so comfy. Get your shorts at myoomla.com. Vanessa, 
We literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is Factors Ready to Eat meals. They have been a godsend. We throw our Factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added magnesium breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky and I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. (laughs) And it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, magnesium breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, magnesium breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie Horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at buyoptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. Cara, my kids love Magic Spoon cereal, and even though it's cereal, they actually love it as a homework snack. The variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter, and fruity is the favorite flavor in my house. Now, this pack has zero grams of sugar, between 13 and 14 grams of protein, and between four and five grams of net carbs per serving. It's made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and it's high in protein, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So a great choice, Vanessa. You can go to magicspoon.com slash puberty to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our, you guessed it, promo code puberty at checkout to save $5 off your order. 
And Magic Spoon is so confident you're going to love their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. They do not want you to send their cereal back to them. Try a bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash puberty and use the code puberty to save $5. So that's like when we have a kid who's not great at communicating on a kind of a tactical, logistical level, which is, you know, 90% of our lives as parents and can be deeply frustrating and infuriating and frankly worrisome. And then there's the lack of communication or the silence around things that are more existential or emotional. And we're trying to get a sense of kind of how our kids are doing and we're having trouble reaching them. And the first piece of advice I would give, and this has been a long time coming for me, both in my marriage and as a parent, is finding the right moment. Because Cara, you and I... <laughs> I thought you were going to say, Cara, we know how bad you are at that. No, yes. I was going to say, I you really... and I both want oh. to have the conversation when we want to have the conversation, no matter... Because we're ready. Because we're ready and we want to cross it off our goddamn to-do list. And even if it's about like our kids' heartbreak, we're like, okay, well, we're ready to have the conversation about heartbreak now. So oh, let's, I've done that. I've done that. <laughs> while I'm cleaning your closet. So even though we want to have the conversation... <laughs> that was a very specific example that came from <laughs> yeah, my I wonder life. where that came from. <laughs> let's be really clear. Even though we want to have the conversation when we want to have the conversation, we have to learn the self-control of picking the right moment with our kids. So the end of the day, when a kid has come home from school and sports and hasn't eaten dinner yet, is not the moment to bring up a tough issue, right? The kid needs to be watered and fed and showered. And then maybe there's a moment to bring up, hey, I got kind of a rough email from your teacher today, or I noticed something that happened this weekend and I really wanted to cover it with you. Or I really blew it this morning when I shouted at you and I just wanted to take this time to apologize. So the first and most important thing is pick your moment and pick your moment wisely. Here's another one. And I get this advice from, so we got a sneak peek at Lisa Damore's new book and we're going to have her on the podcast in a couple of weeks to talk about her new book. And it's amazing. And it's called, here's a sneak peek for you. It's called The Emotional Lives of Teenagers. And it is about the emotional, the emotional lives, lives of teenagers. Of teenagers. <laughs> and, um, dun, dun, dun. and one thing that she talks about, and I've really been thinking a lot about this week in the context of this exact question of kids who are quiet and not super communicative or don't really want to open up. She talks about essentially their vocabulary and the ability to choose words that adequately describe how they feel. And I think these two things are very connected because if you've got a kid who can express how they feel in very granular terms, I feel sad, I feel frustrated, I feel angry, I feel disappointed, I, right? That's a kid who can use fewer words to share how they feel and a little less emotional energy because they've identified that feeling. If you've got a kid who really doesn't have so many words to articulate how they feel, and they could be a 
teenager with a fabulous vocabulary, they just don't have the vocabulary of feelings yet because they haven't developed them. It gets harder for those kids to express briefly how they're experiencing a given moment or situation. And I think that silences them too. I do definitely see that in my kids, that my quieter kid is a kid who also has, I wouldn't say a more limited emotional vocabulary, but certainly doesn't stretch to describe feelings in the way that the one who is more chatty will stretch to describe feelings. So teaching our kids language around feelings gives them a shortcut to have a more brief conversation, which sometimes feels like a relief. And Lisa talks about in the book that we train girls to talk about their feelings and it's a muscle they build early on and they continue to get stronger and stronger. And often in our society, we don't train boys the same way and we you know, channel their complicated feelings towards anger or aggression or silence. And so it kind of requires a little bit of like fitness in terms of getting better at expressing themselves. Now, some people are just temperamentally not big talkers. They have a rich inner life or they're very private or they're reacting to very verbose parents and siblings. Child living in my house might be feeling that way. However, it's not a fait accompli. It does shift and change. And sometimes it's not always about being in conversation with them. Sometimes it's just about giving them information that they need to have. And boy, do we wish it was this really deep exchange of ideas and emotions and reactions, but they're not always going to give us that. And sometimes we just have to give them information, right? Information about their bodies, information about their safety, information about what's acceptable and not acceptable within the confines of our home or our school community. Like, And I always say, even if they are on the couch with their back turned to us and their hood up, if they are still in the room, they can still hear us. They are still listening on some level and we can still impart information to them. I have one rule in my house. I have lots of rules in my house. I have one rule in my house specifically on this topic, which is when I am speaking to my children, they are not looking at their phones. They can be my most talkative kid or my quietest kid. But it is a sign of respect that when I speak to them, they are off their phone. And they expect the same of you. And I work Mm -hmm. very hard imperfectly, but I work very hard to practice that vice versa with myself also. Because, and I just want to sideline this, but because there's no such thing as multitasking, you cannot do two things at once. You cannot read and listen. So what happens is it's called task switching and you're just ping-ponging between the two. And that we know that's not an effective way. So if your kid really wants to talk to you about something and you are looking at your screen, you're really not listening. You're really not listening. And you're sending them a, you know, a nonverbal cue, which is yeah. like you're sort of important, but not really important. So to people who have kids that they're having trouble reaching, I don't know if that syntax was actually grammatically correct, but you know what I mean. If you are having difficulty reaching your kid and you are letting your kid look at their phone while you talk to them, that is one tactical and easy way to nip in the bud, which is 
hey, when I talk to you, you're not looking at your phone. You got to put your phone down or put your phone in your pocket. Full stop. And Cara, to your point, you can say, and I will do the same because I am guilty of looking at my phone when you talk to me. The second thing I would say is about phones and cars. So we always talk about how riding in a car with your kid is a great opportunity to have some of these harder conversations because you're not making eye contact and you're maybe on a different row or at least you're sitting next to each other and not looking at each other. If your kid is allowed to sit and scroll through their phone while they're in the car with you, the rule in my house is when I'm driving my kids, they are not on their phones unless there's a specific task that they need to take care of. Again, because if they're on their phones, they're not engaging in conversation with me. If they're off their phones, at least there's the potential to have a conversation. So those are two very specific things. And one side note about that is I happen to have the same rule. And I have found that when I'm driving multiple kids, that rule is true for my kids, but I'm not the parent of the other kids. And it can be hard because my kids can say after the car ride, they will often say, I was the only one in the car, not on my phone. And they're they're right. I yeah. mean, sometimes, so, you know, it's part you know what of I say to that statement? super fun challenges to engage everyone in conversation. What do you say? I say, tough shit, kiddo. <laughs> <laughs> Get off your phone. Sometimes okay, my kids will say to their friends, hey, you know what? We're not allowed to be on the phone in the car. Or I'll even say, are you guys paying me to drive you? Because if you're not, get off your phones. Oh, I like that. I might take that. Of course, yeah. now that my kids are driving themselves in their I friends. know. Now it's like too, now it's too late. Here's my sort of last parting piece of advice for the adults who are struggling with kids who don't want to open up or can't open up or aren't temperamentally going to open up. Tell them why you care. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we forget to do that. I think sometimes we forget to say to kids who are quieter, I would love to understand what's happening in that head of yours. Mm -hmm. I'd love to be able to be supportive of you or to empathize with you or to understand what's going on. I will say that to my quieter kid a lot. And sometimes he'll say, nothing's going on or, you know, I'm not thinking about anything. And and I know that's not true because you can literally see the wheels turning but I have said, I care to know what's going on and that he clocks that. Mm -hmm. And so to parents who do have really quiet kids, reminding those kids, I mean, not every five minutes, but every once in a while, reminding them that the reason why you ask 25 questions and you're knocking on their door, trying to get that literal or figurative door open is because you care. That goes a long way. Yeah. I mean, it's another way of saying, I love you and I want to hear what's going on for you. I have two other suggestions, which I know you and I both do one of these, which is sometimes I just go into my quieter kid's room and I just lay down on the bed and just sit the there. Best. Um, sometimes I fall asleep. <laughs> Not That's purpose. really the best. <laughs> but, you know, no pressure, no expectation. I'm just kind of no eye contact. There, You're no eye contact, no down. demands. Yeah. I'm just kind of there. So that's one one way. I mean, I always knock. I ask if I can come in. I don't just like barge in and take over the room. I do that in other settings, but not this one. The other thing that I like to do is my kids use our dog as a nice kind of unwinding center, particularly in the evenings or on the weekends. And 
I'll often find them kind of lying on a rug somewhere in a hallway surrounding the dog. And sometimes I'll just sit down by them, or if it's one kid by him, and not say anything or ask anything. I'll just kind of be there. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's a moment they're relaxed, they're calm, and they sometimes he'll kind of say stuff or bring up stuff or it's a gentle moment for me to ask something. And sometimes I don't say anything at all. I'm just there. But again, it's about picking your moment, picking your place, learning how to keep your own mouth shut a little bit, which is a major challenge for me personally. Yeah. I mean, we're trying to teach them to open their mouths. We can teach ourselves how to shut ours a little bit more. I have gotten so much better. Should we practice it right now? (laughs) Is that your way of telling me the episode's over? (laughs) It really is. (laughs) So to all of you who are so frustrated and just desperately trying to reach a kid, we hear you. We see you. We are there with you. It does shift and change. My older brother, I swear to God, did not talk for the four years of high school. I literally have no memory of him opening his mouth for like four years. And now he is a expressive, loving, kind, engaged adult. So this is not forever. This is just this moment. And it might be their temperament to some extent, but quieter people have really profound and wonderful things to say if we give them the right setting in which to express them. Thank you for that, Vanessa. I hope it helped a little bit. Otherwise, I can move in and be more helpful. (laughs) And barge in. (laughs) That would be his worst nightmare. His worst (laughs) two of us. Oh, my God. Terrible. (laughs) Thanks, Cara. Thanks, Vanessa. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts or check out our Instagram at The Puberty Podcast. If you have questions or stories to share, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. And for more puberty info, check out myoomla.com or dynamogirl.com. Bye. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.